0: We're busy with the second part of our series, Hashtag Relationship Goals. Now, if you do not know what that means, you've been disconnected from social media. You might have been living in a cave for the last 10 years. Okay, Or you're really old, so I'm not looking at anyone now. But anyway, um, <clears throat> hashtags are used on social media to group ideas together. So if you take a picture of your tree outside and you... Um, add hashtag trees of Instagram to your post. Anyone who types in the word trees of Instagram will see your tree and will see all the other people who used that same hashtag for their tree. So, when it comes to hashtag relationship goals, it is a way that people kind of show off the little bit best part, the little bit that's really good of their relationship. But the reality is, although we often get a beautiful picture of something on social media, or we get a beautiful picture of a relationship on a movie, you know, it's always like this, when they kiss, like that little leg kicks up of the lady, and then just balancing on a high heel on a slippery, rocky road, and you've got like, how is she doing that? It's because she was glued to it, by the way. But anyway, and, and, and you look at her and you're like, how does it, this even happen? My relationship are not that good. My relationship is not that beautiful. My relationship doesn't compare to this, so what's wrong with me? The thing is that there's nothing wrong with you. Relationships aren't perfect. They don't always look like the stuff we see with hashtag relationship goals. And often those relationships capture a moment, but a lot of times they're actually pretty broken and messed up behind the scenes. So last week we started and we said relationships are messy because people are messy because we're broken. And we need to have grace with each other. We need to find grace, learn grace from Jesus so that we can have grace with each other. Otherwise, you're never going to survive your messiness. But grace helps us to cut through the messiness of relationships. So today, I wanted to start out with a quote. And I first want to see who would call themselves a fan of rock music. I really have a problem with these services. I'm like, my illustrations do not work. It's like, what do you guys listen to? Like, probably pop, you know, that's for, for babies. But anyway, um, so in the 80s, we had like these heavy rock bands, right? All of you know what I'm talking about. You had ACDC and and we had Def Leppard and all kinds of guys that had like heavy rock music. And some people looking at each other like, yeah, you know you're guilty, but you're not, you're not raising your hand. So thanks for that. But anyway, and then in the 90s, we saw a huge turn in Music And there was a specific band called Nirvana. Who's heard of Nirvana? Who knows about Kurt Cobain? Raise your hand if you know who's Kurt Cobain. Okay, okay, I've got like half of the auditorium now, so so my plan might work. So this band Nirvana, Kurt Cobain, he was bullied at school. He had all kinds of issues. He started this band, wrote some music, and almost overnight they rose to fame. This guy had millions of people at his feet, He was surrounded by bands, by managers, by friends, by family, and by millions and millions of fans. And when we look at someone like that, that seems to be the life. It seems like they have everything we want. So we're not even at a relationship now. We're just at a single person, right? We wish that we could have that that amount of money, that amount of followers, that amount of people, that amount of good music, like whatever it might be. But in 1994, at quite a young age, Kurt Cobain committed suicide. And years later, some of his personal journal entries were published in book form. And I want to read one to you from 1993, a couple of months before he committed suicide. This is what he wrote. Kurt Cobain said, somebody, anybody, God help, help me please. I want to be accepted. I have to be accepted. I'll wear any kind of clothes you want. I'm so tired of crying and dreaming. I'm so, so alone. Isn't there anybody out there? Please help me, help me. There's a guy who seems to have everything together, who seems to have people accepting him and loving him and throwing clothes at him. And he's like, I just want to be accepted. I'll even dress differently if you'll just accept me said, I'm so alone, I'm, t- I'm so tired of crying about this emptiness and this loneliness I'm experiencing. And what is interesting is in 2018, the University of California did a study on loneliness, and they found that three out of four people, so three quarters of the people in this room today, experience moderate to high levels of loneliness. So it's, It's one of those things in life where people, not just the people who post the hashtag relationship goals, they feel this kind of loneliness, emptiness, lack of acceptance in the life. But people like Kurt Cobain, movie stores, they feel it, and we feel it as alone. Somewhere in our life, all of us has experienced the feeling of emptiness, a feeling of loneliness, a feeling of brokenness, a feeling of being judged, a feeling of not being accepted. We have all experienced it. And we often try to fill this void that we're feeling with someone. So I'm feeling this emptiness. So if only I can have the right life partner, if only I can have the right friends, then this emptiness, this loneliness, whatever it might be, you can give it different names, but it's a similar feeling, then hopefully it will go away. But here's the problem. Relationships are not only messy, but also no relationship can meet every need you have. And that's the second problem we're going to address today, because we said in the series we're going to look at three universal problems that we as human beings experience in relationships, and then at three foundations that will help us to build healthier relationships. But as I was processing this, I'm like, why This is so universal, not just in the 20th century or in the 21st century, but this has been present throughout the ages. In 1938, this is long ago, before, if you think it's got something to do with cell phones and social media, like, you know, this is making us lonely. Before the invention of all of this, Thomas Wolfe, American writer, wrote this. He said, loneliness is... And always have been, so even before me in 1938, it always have been the central and inevitable experience of every man. He says central to your experiences will be loneliness, emptiness, whatever you want to call it. And he said it is inevitable. You cannot escape it. It is built into us. It's built into our relationships. Why? Because God created us to live in connections. God In Genesis 1, we read about how God created Adam, and then we see this beautiful picture of a connection between God and Adam that... I'm like, I wish I could be there. Like God, the Bible says he's walking with him in the garden. So can you imagine like you just pick a peach this big off the tree because you know it was all perfect. You pick it off the tree, you eat it. Your pet lion is lying there. You just stroke him a bit. There's your tiger you call Freddy. You stroke him a bit. You walk around and God is just walking next to you as your friend. You have a chat. You talk about stuff. He's frustrated because his snake tried to eat his bird again. And it's just a good conversation between him and God meant to live in connection with God. But then in Genesis 2, God is like, you know what? There's something missing in Adam's life because God created you and me in his image. And in God's very nature, God is a God who lives in connection because God says in the beginning in Genesis 1, not let me make, let us make. See, because we serve a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three but one. This blows your mind. Don't worry. It's supposed to because God is God. He's not on your level. So it should blow your mind if you're like, how can you be three and one at the same time? I don't know. God does. And I'm fine with that. So don't want a God that I can figure everything out. Then he's not God, right? So God in his very nature is a God of community, a God of connection. And then God looks at Adam. He's like, Adam, I created you in my image, and you're lacking something. You lack connection with someone who's similar to you. So God makes in Genesis 2 Eve a helper. His equal so that he could have... This is the big law of God. If you summarize every law in the Bible, Jesus said this is it. Connection with God, love God, and love your neighbor. He makes Eve. He's like, so I want you to live in connection with God, and I want you to live in connection with other people. And sometimes those connections get messed up. They get broken, and that is when we start to have these feelings of loneliness, feelings of emptiness, feelings of brokenness. And you can even be married If you think like that feeling is going to disappear by just picking the right person to share your life with, you can be married and you can still feel lonely. You can still feel empty. In 1989, a man named Dan Killey wrote a book about this, and he coined this phrase, living together loneliness. So he said you can be living with someone, you can have the best dog in the world in your life, you can have the best brother, you can have the best husband or wife or roommate or whatever it is, you can be living with someone in your house and you can still be lonely. Because the problem is deeper than the simple human connections we have. No single human being can meet every need you have. Here's the sad reality. When people develop these feelings of loneliness, of of emptiness, whatever it might be, we often try to replace them, we try to fill them with something that cannot live up to it. So this is what you often see happening. People grab onto alcohol or to drugs, something that they feel will numb those emotions of loneliness, of emptiness, of abandonment. They believe it will numb it. But here's the problem. Once the effect of that numbing effect wears off, guess where I'm left? I'm still stuck with loneliness. I'm still stuck with aloneness. I'm still stuck with the same deep heart soul issue I had before. So, then the next best step is maybe, maybe I should just have more people in my life. So, people start jumping from one relationship to another. And I see it especially with younger people who are unmarried. It's like one relationship after the next. And the TV shows us to us as well, right? There's a lot of fish in the sea. If this person doesn't meet your need, you go to the next one. If they don't meet your need, you jump to the next one. And then let's not even talk about sex because this is what the TV shows us. If you've got sex in your life, guess what? You will have no more feelings of emptiness and loneliness. But then you you have sex and you still feel empty and lonely, so you try someone else, you try something else, you do everything you can, you still feel lonely. So we go for cell phones. I'm like, maybe if I've got more friends. So I download Facebook, I invite everyone I know. I've got a 1,000 thou- friends on Facebook. I'm still feeling empty. I've got 500 followers of- on Instagram. I'm still feeling empty. I've got 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. I'm still feeling empty because there's a difference between contacts, and true human connection, but only the human thing is still not enough, right? We try group experiences, join a sport club, go out with the boys after after golf or after rugby, go and hike the mountain with someone, join a ballet class, something, because if I've got more people physically in my life, maybe then I will be okay, but I'm in a crowd and I'm still feeling lonely, work longer hours, work harder for success. Because the only time people recognize me is when I'm successful. The only people, uh, time uh, people approve of me is if I achieve something in life, so just pour more into it. I achieve, people tap me on the back, but I still feel lonely and I still feel empty and nothing changes. Why? Now, I've got a simple toy here today. Who of you had something like this when you were little? It used to be square, so Abigail's got a round one. This is Abigail's toy. I figured like an illustration for a 15-month-old should work for adults. Then we should maybe grab hold of the concept. But I want to I empty this thing first because this is often, I think what our heart looks like, what our life looks like, is like this little elephant toy of hers. It is all empty, But what we want to do is we want to replace the emptiness, the loneliness, the abandonment, the feeling of not succeeding, whatever it might be. We want to fill it up. So then we grab hold onto all these different things, every kind of addiction, different people, whatever it might be. And then we play with our hearts the way Abigail plays with this toy. So Abigail, my daughter is now 16 months old. She still hasn't figured this out. So she will take any piece and she will start doing this. She will just slap it on there. But it's not going anywhere. It's not doing anything. Because in order to fill this up, you need the right plug for the right hole. So we try all these different things and it doesn't fill us up. Because they cannot, it's not the right plug for the right hole. A couple of years ago, we moved into an apartment. And we had a kitchen sink that was still in a really good condition. So when we started to work on the apartment and fixing it up. It's a good thing, but it was leaking like crazy. The whole cabinet was rotten. So I started looking for the seal to seal it around the, bay, the uh, uh, around the piece of metal. And every plumbing shop I go to, they're like, "We don't keep that size of seal." Go try someone else. Go to Franca. We don't sell that. Go to Cape Town Plumbing and Bathroom. We don't sell that kind of seed. So finally, I'm like, the water keeps leaking out, so I'm just going to take silicone. So that was like a made-myself plug, and it worked. It sealed that. But I had a second problem. No, I didn't get a plug with it. And no matter what plug I use, it will not fit. So I literally did this. I walk into a hardware store. I buy every plug they have. Go back, do small too big, too big, too big, too small. No plugs will work. Not a bath one, not a basin one. Nothing will work on that thing. So then what do you do? Your next step is you get that little white one with the chrome little lid. You know what I'm talking about. It's like a soft one. It doesn't fit in any one, but kind of like the water pressure keeps it down, so it kind of works. But here's the problem. I put this plug in. You fill the zinc with, with water. You start washing your first plate. A centimeter of water is gone. Watch the second blade; another centimeter is gone. Third blade; another centimeter. By the time you've washed four plates, the water is gone and you only started washing your dishes. So you have to run the tap again. And this is what we often do in life is just like that wrong plug keeps leaking water. I go to people to fill the holes in my life that people cannot fill. So I put the wrong plug in my life and what God wants to do in my life, the fullness he wants to bring in my life, the loneliness he wants to take away, the life of abundance, John 10 verse 10, that Jesus wants to give me, the healthy relationships, everything that God wants to give me is leaking out of my life because I've got the wrong plugs for the whole. About 200 years after Christ, they lived a man named Augustine. Now, we call him a church father today. So the church fathers were people who lived close enough to the time of Jesus that they actually still had physical contact with people who saw Jesus walk on earth. So they still had grandfathers or whatever that told them the stories about how they walked with Jesus. And um, Augustine wasn't a Christian. But he had a lot of emptiness in his life. So the way he thought he would fill the emptiness is with knowledge. Sounds familiar, right? Google age. You just Google anything. Information is at our fingertips. So maybe that will fill me up. So he tried it. He joined the Manichaeans. They were all about um, about knowledge. Didn't work. He's not being filled up. So one day God spoke to him in a visible, in, in an audible voice in the garden. Told him to take up his Bible and read. He started reading. He found Jesus. He became a leader in the church. And this Augustine, about two hundred years after Christ, he writes this. And it's in a book that's been translated off his notes, The Confession. And um, this is what he writes. He says, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. So Augustine is basically saying this. He's like when God created our hearts, God created this for himself. So God left an emptiness, a void inside of our life. That can only be filled by Him, so that we will always seek after God, that we will always go after Him. And He's like, this remains empty. My heart remains restless. I keep feeling lonely. I keep feeling abandoned. I keep feeling empty until I find Jesus. I find the right plug for the right hole and I can start filling up with God and suddenly everything falls into place. Suddenly, I don't feel so empty. I don't feel so lonely because I've got the right plug for the right hole. Now, suddenly, my life is not leaking. But people, drugs, television, social media, that's not the right plug and it's not gonna work. It's like you will remain restless. God wants to and he can meet all of our needs. And I wanna read to you a couple of verses today that will help us to see that. Psalm 107 verse nine, the psalmist writes this, he says, he, God, satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So he literally says, My soul that is hungry to be filled, my soul that is thirsty for something to fill it, the only one who can fill my soul is not other people, is not stuff, is not success, but is God Himself and He fills it. But here how He fills it. This is crazy, okay? Paul writes about this in Philippians 4, verse 19. And what he says, he says. The same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. So this is what Paul is saying. He says this so beautifully. He says that God doesn't just look at our lives that are empty and is like, you know what? You feel lonely, so here's a little bit of a crumb, so you feel a little bit less lonely. Or you feel abandoned, so here's a little bit of a crumb, so that you feel a little bit less abandoned. Now, Paul is like, you know what? How God fills this. He does it with his riches. He does it with the best treasures on it. You don't have to wonder if I will feel like this forever. You don't have to accept a second hand thing or, a, or, or something that's not good enough to actually measure up. He says God gives you the best to fold us up from his treasures, his riches in heaven. That's how he supplies to you. And you know why God supplies to us in that way? Because God is not a God who looks at us from heaven and He's like, you know, shame, you look like you're a bit lonely. I don't really know what that is because I've always been in perfect connection. So, no, I'm just going to throw you something and I hope that works. That's not our God. You know what our God did? He looked at us, He saw we were helpless, He saw we couldn't fix stuff. So, we sent His Son, Jesus, to earth. And Jesus walked on earth and he experienced in his human body was both God and man at the same time. And at that time, he experienced every emotion, everything that we can experience. And did you know that Jesus went through the most extreme form of loneliness and abandonment that every person on earth can go through? On the cross, Jesus was hanging on a cross. All the sins of the world was put on him. Why? Because God's laws were clear. God is a holy God. He cannot look at sin. So if you sin, the penalty is death. So people made a mistake. The penalty is death. So then the offering system came into place. Instead of them dying, they would kill a goat or they would kill a dove. Offer it to God to replace. So that little animal would take the punishment for them. But people were slaughtering all the animals, and they were not getting better. They kept messing up. They kept breaking God's rules. So God is like, let me make a perfect plan. Jesus is the plan. Because Jesus is God, not only my one sin can be placed on Him, but every sin I have done, every sin I will do, every sin that anyone has done before the time of Jesus, during the time of Jesus, after the time of Jesus, all the sin of the world is put on Jesus. At that moment, God in His holiness cannot look at Jesus. He looks away from Jesus. Jesus is completely abandoned. And in Matthew 27, verse 46, Jesus shouts out these words. He says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It's a kind of loneliness that you and I can never even imagine because you and I will never experience it even if you're not a Christian. Because the Bible teaches us that even if you do not believe in God, He is still a seeking God. He's still coming after you. He will leave the hundreds of sheep, the 99, to go after the one. God is a seeking God. Revelation says He's standing and He's knocking at the door of your heart with you. Invite Him in or not. He's not giving up. So you and I can never be in a place, even if every single person on earth abandons us, God is still close to us. But at this moment, God, the Father, withdrew from Jesus. Jesus is in absolute abandonment on his own. And Jesus experienced on the cross abandonment so that you and I never have to experience it again. Jesus experienced how God had to look away from him so that God never has to look away from us again. You see, so when God supplies in our needs with riches, he doesn't do it because he thinks you need it. He does it because Jesus experienced it and therefore he knows what we need. There's so many verses in the Bible where I can continue to read about how God supplies to us. But I want to read you one because we started with this idea of loneliness. That's one of the biggest feelings we experience as human beings on earth. The most common thing I've ever heard about Cape Town when we moved to Cape Town four years ago that people have told me is they are lonely. Most common thing people tell me. And I want to specifically focus on this and read you one of my favorite verses in the Bible. If you forget everything that we spoke about today, at least remember this. Or highlight it in your Bible, like make stars around it. If you don't have a Bible, you download the Bible app on your cell phone. You highlight it there. You print it. Isaiah 49 verse 15 to 16. This is God speaking himself through the prophet. He says that, can a mother forget the baby at her breast? And have no compassion on the child she has born. Now before we continue, I first want to say something. My child is 16 months old. About two years ago, Yolande was still pregnant. And this is something you think you can understand until the moment you actually go through it. Then it makes sense to you. For nine months, a baby develops in the mom's womb. That is a closer connection than we can ever have with anyone on earth. That is almost impossible, God says, because of that physical connection, it is almost impossible for a mother to forget about a child. It's almost impossible to ignore that child because the connection is so close. But it still happens, doesn't it? Moms throw away their children. Maybe you are a child that was thrown away. Dads walk out of their children's life. It happens. And God said, it's not supposed to happen, but then he says these amazing words, because just in case you might have experienced it, he says, though she may forget, though your father may walk out, though everyone on earth might abandon you, he says, I will not forget you. He says, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Because God is literally saying, like, I want to be so sure that I can never forget you. I want to keep your name. I want to keep you always in front of me. That God says, I'm not writing your name on my hand with pencil or with a pen so that you can wipe it out. I'm not even writing it on with a permanent marker so that only thinners can remove it. I'm not even tattooing it in. I am engraving it in so that the only way your name can ever be taken away from God is if someone chops off God's hand. that is impossible because there's no one in the world strong enough to stand against the almighty God. So God is like, no matter who you are, no matter how you feel, you are always in front of me. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. If you feel far from me, I am right there. If you feel rejected, my arms are open. I embrace you. If you feel judged, I look at you and I forgive you. If you're like, Louie, but that's cool, man, but I feel far from God still. What's the deal with that? I have one question. Who has moved? If you feel far from God, ask yourself, who has moved? Because the Bible says that God has move. He's still there. He's still knocking. He's still right at the door of your heart. If you're sitting here today and you're like, Louie, I so wish for this. I still want to be, I don't want to be empty. I want to be filled up, but I still feel like God is far. I still feel like I'm empty. The question is not why God abandoned you. God once abandoned Jesus so that he never has to abandon us. He didn't abandon you. He didn't walk away, but this is what happens. All of that stuff that we, start, that we try to fill our life with because we have an emptiness that was actually a blessing because it's an emptiness supposed to be filled with God, but now we start filling it up with drugs and we start filling it up with other people and we start filling it up with social media and all the noise of the world. And every time we put a bunch of nonsense in, we push God further and further away. And so we're like, but where is God? And I'm like, God didn't move. You pushed him out. I want to tell you today, only Jesus can satisfy the deepest needs of our soul. Yes, there are needs that humans meet. That's why God created Eve for Adam. We need to have connections not only with God, but with people. But people cannot satisfy these deepest needs of our soul. Without Jesus, our hunger will increase. Without Jesus, our thirst will increase. Without Jesus, we'll feel lonelier and lonelier till finally we feel like Kurt Cobain, like there's no way forward for us. And we will keep trying to fill up with all the wrong stuff, but nothing will satisfy us. You know what I, what's amazing to me? When we choose, when everything has left us empty, and we choose to follow Jesus, and we choose to allow Him to fill us up, It changes our relationships forever. Because now I don't walk into a relationship with an unrealistic expectation that my brother or my parents or my wife or my children or my co-workers or whatever there is in my life. I don't walk into that re- relationship with the expectation that they have to meet my every need because my needs have been met. I have my identity rooted in Jesus. I have approval from him. So I walk into a relationship in a healthy way without unhealthy expectations expectations. It simplifies relationships so much. The Bible talks about this direct correlation between a love for God and a love for people. It almost says it's impossible. So hear what 1 John 4 verse 8 says. It says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is what it is saying, is if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't allow him to fill you up, it is impossible for you to love other people. You can try, you can post your hashtag relationship goals, but it's not going to work. And if you're today here and you're like, but I have tried the God thing and still my relationships are dodgy. I want to tell you, then you have to look at your, at the trajectory of your life. Are you heading towards Jesus or away from him? Because this is in a simplified form how I see. If you think about a triangle, think about Jesus at the top and then I'm in the one corner and the person I have a relationship with is at the, at the other bottom corner. And this is how the triangle works. The further I... If my trajectory is away from Jesus, the further I move away from him, how does the triangle work? The further we move apart. But the closer I get to Jesus, the closer the legs get to each other, so the horizontal leg gets smaller and smaller, the higher I move towards Jesus. So the closer my relationship with Jesus, the more it affects my relationship with other people. I want to tell you today, you can try to have your needs met by other people and you're gonna keep failing and you're gonna keep hurting your relationships. But whatever relational need you might have in your life that people have not been able to satisfy, that need to be accepted like Kurt Cobain, the need to not be alone that he wrote about, the need to not feel so empty, to not feel so broken, all of those deepest relational needs can find healing in Jesus. Without Jesus, we cannot have healthy relationships. Last week, we said relationships are messy, so we need grace because grace is the only thing to cut through the mess. But I want to tell you today, we are people that was given a gift of a void inside of our lives that will force us to seek out God. You're not broken because you feel lonely. You're not a mess because you feel lonely or you feel empty. That is a gift from God that will keep pulling you closer to Him but you can choose to fill it up with the wrong stuff. And then it becomes a curse, because you chose the wrong thing. But because of this, we'll always have wrong expectations about our relationships. Until the day we allow Jesus in, until we allow Jesus to fill our relationships, but not only do we need grace to cut through the mess, we need Jesus to cut through our own emptiness, our loneliness. So this is my goal for the week. I gave you all a goal last week. I want to give you a goal to this week. <clears throat> this week, this is my goal. I will not expect people in my life. I will not expect Abigail. I will not expect Yolandi. I will not expect my mom and dad. I will not expect the people in our church. I will not expect my co-workers to meet Every one of my needs. But I will find contentment in Jesus. He will be my enough. Because his treasures are enough. So My goal this week is, is to every time that I feel like someone has to meet the need, to remind myself who I am in Christ, to allow Jesus to fill that hunger, to thirst that, that to quench that thirst. Instead of expecting it from people. Let's pray. You know how tough it can be to feel abandoned, to feel lonely, to feel broken because you went through it on the cross. Absolute abandonment so that we don't have to go through it. But God, still we seek, we seek all kinds of things out to fill this emptiness inside of us and you are crying out and telling us that you're the answer. And I pray that you would open our eyes so that we would run into your arms and give you not just a little bit of our time, not just a little bit of our heart, but give you everything so that you can fill us up so that our relational expectations will be on the right level. Help us to find our identity. Find fullness. To find acceptance in you. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.